0: or whatever, but regardless, coming back from an injury that kept him out for basically, well, yeah, the entire 2022 season didn't end up playing a snap for Florida State last year, but someone who was touted out of high school and injuries have just kind of beaten him to the curb so far, so we'll see if he's able to get <laughs> <God laughs> Damn. <laughs> Maybe he can wow. work his way back Jeez. into the rotation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't really expecting that. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Terrence Mann. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub and the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose.
0: Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go Nose.
1: This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No Bloody
0: but perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great, Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Nose fans. This is former
2: Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day.
0: James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or die, and go, go no. William Barnum Floyd. Gentlemen,
1: what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from here. the Spear, presented to you by com. We are here live on a wonderful Wednesday evening. And we've got some spring camp to talk about. We didn't have an episode last week. Not much to talk about last week. I decided to take a little break, well-needed one, before we go on a roll here, heading into camp with Mike Norvell's fourth season as a head coach in Tallahassee. A big, fun camp ahead with me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at nolgandy.com. And down below is our lead basketball writer, Austin Vizi. Gentlemen, good to be back with you guys after a little bit of a break. But we're back at it, and it feels good. I missed you guys.
0: Yeah, it's been a minute. Got a chance to get the batteries recharged a little bit. And like you said, some spring football to talk about tonight ahead of a really highly anticipated season for florida state you know a lot of momentum building in tallahassee and a lot of expectations as well
2: i did not get the batteries recharged i made the poor decision to go to clemson to watch florida state lose about 40 um <laughs> so just never been, ends with you dude it's been a rough week
0: <laughs> i just spent batteries recharged from seeing you guys oh, okay
1: exactly exactly well Guess what? You're about to see me in person a lot more. You had your nice little break from me, Dustin, but you're now going to see ah, me you're quite a bit. like a
0: month, so I doubt it.
1: Yeah, you'll have a little stretch there, and then I'll be out of your hair in a few weeks. But these next two, though, will be right up in you, and we're going to be having a good time. Florida State will have their media luncheon next Friday, and then that Monday we will have a – practice we'll actually have a practice that we'll be able to come on here and talk about and give our instant reaction to so things starting to feel a little bit like football weather in here things warmer and Tallahassee so this episode will be specifically previewing Florida State's offense which like you were saying Dustin there's a lot of anticipation a lot of high expectations surrounding this fan base for the season upcoming For Mike Norvell and his staff and a lot of it is predicated around the offense so we will jump into that in just a minute as always you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. I know a lot of listeners are listening on the podcast waves appreciate you hanging out there with us always also our live stream listeners so appreciate you guys but uh let's jump into things after we missed a week we didn't miss much but of course, the day after that, it was announced Florida State's spring schedule that we do want to bring up to you guys, so then you can be informed on that. Florida State is going to allow the media to come in to tour of duty on March 2nd. That'll be a Thursday early morning Lou. I remember that one. You, you're not a fan of the early mornings, right? I'll, I'll make it for that. Yeah, you you will at least for that. Uh, but overall, not a over big fan of getting up too early. So you, well, you I mean, the Coach good thing Storms is- wouldn't get along.
0: Yeah, probably not. But the good thing is most of the spring practices are normally in the afternoon or evening. So I've got that advantage. That is a huge advantage. So, yeah, we'll be out there. We'll have full coverage for you guys
1: on Thursday, getting some early looks at some of the newcomers, including freshmen and then transfers too. I know a lot of chatter about Jaheem Bell, Hakeem Williams, what they look like working out. Uh, we'll see what kind of media, related things we can give to you guys last right. year it was pretty locked down and we couldn't take videos and pictures and all that kind of stuff kind of strict on that end but hopefully we'll be able to give you guys some good intel from what we saw at least we'll be able to come on to hear the spear and give our thoughts but yeah wanted to throw that out there to you guys on tour duty and then we'll have like i said earlier we'll have a pre-spring media luncheon which also includes mike norvell's introductory press conference into the spring camp so we'll be talking then and i believe we'll be hearing from all of the assistants too yeah. So we'll be able to be go one-on-one and interview a few of them which will be good that's always good Dustin, being able to jump around also eat lunch with some of the coaches uh, a really cool thing that fsu has done and mike nervell has really pushed for the media to be as close as they can with the team which allows us to give really solid coverage to you guys listening and watching
0: for sure it's always cool to uh further relationships and you know a lot of the times throughout the season you mainly get to hear from Mike Norvell and the coordinators but now we'll get a chance to hear more from the actual position group coaches and how guys are progressing how some of the new guys are kind of assimilating and asserting themselves early on so yeah that should be exciting ahead of you know the team actually getting on the field that following Monday.
1: And then the real fun begins. Florida State will kick off its spring camp on March 6th. They'll be their first spring practice. That'll be on Monday. We'll be there in attendance for that to give you guys full coverage. And then it kind of starts rolling after that. It'll go March 8th, March 10th, and then spring break will happen and then everything gets back in action on March 21st, 23rd, 25th. I'm not going to go through every freaking date on here, but <laughs> some things don't. worth noting, though, your, your first spring scrimmage will be on March 25th. We'll hear from Mike Norvell and staff members afterwards, and then they'll go on a run having a couple of practices, and then Florida State will host their Pro Day where we'll see a, a handful of Knowles come back to Tallahassee. We had Jamie Robinson on the previous podcast. Great interview. I suggest everybody go listen to that, but he did tell us on the show that he will be there performing at Florida State's Pro Day this year, so a lot of Seminoles coming back there for that, and of course I think I'm going to try to make the drive up and help Dustin give some coverage there. Uh but yeah, pro day. You know, there's just nothing nothing better. I wish the media could get a little bit more access. I understand you know, there's protocols and whatnot, but I wish the media could get kind of like the close access that the scouts get, maybe. But yeah, you know, I'm also not a GM or a scout, so
0: we were a little walled off there on the sideline last year. You know, it was tough to see the the bench press and you're watching the forty yard dash from fifty yards <laughs> away. So Full of tough to to get involved in the action, but hey, we'll we'll see what happens this year. Maybe not as many COVID protocols and stuff. I don't I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll try to make the best of it. Trying
1: to time a forty, Dustin, while looking at it vertically is not the easiest way of doing it. And then also trying to tweet it and be like, I think he ran a four five one. I don't know though. It could be like point ten seconds off. So yeah, I, I think I
0: timed. Corbin at like a six five, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's right. <laughs> no, I don't think that's right. Maybe for you, you
1: think you can run a six five?
0: I don't know. Probably well, he's not. A, he's
1: at least in the sevens.
0: I'm thinking like a 8'3". 8'3"? <laughs> come on, man. Blow my knee out halfway through. <laughs> I
1: oh, come on. I, I, I expect higher than that. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh, gee, I don't can either. We, can, we, can we can we get a <laughs> so,
2: uh, run, Dustin? Run like they do with Rich
0: Eisen.
1: Oh, now that would be good. Can we do it for charity? Maybe that's something we can do in 2023. I for of a
0: year and a half of training. Something like that.
1: <laughs> a year and a half of training. Strict regiment. Yeah, maybe. That might be the way of doing it. But yeah, that's going to be Florida State's pro day. A lot of Knowles coming back for that. So we'll give you guys coverage then. And then to finish it off, that Saturday, just the day afterwards on April 1st, Florida State will hold their second and final spring scrimmage. We'll... T- be able to speak with the coaches afterwards, as usual. And then Florida State will run four more practices until the Garnet and Gold Spring game, or like they're calling now the Garnet and Gold Spring Showcase, since it's not really a game from what we've learned since Mike Norvell's tenure here in Tallahassee. But that'll be on April 15th. And then they'll have one little final hangout, kind of run through some drills, spring practice, like they did last year on April 17th. So that's the full schedule. Right there, D. Lou, are you you excited? Have you had enough of a break now to be like, yeah, I'm ready to get back
0: out to the practice fields? I think so. Got enough time in in February, and, you know, it's crazy. It it already feels like December. I mean, I guess it has been a couple of months, but just ready to get that football feeling again, getting a first chance to kind of check out this team, see how guys that have been here for a while are making progress, see how some of the the true freshmen – from last year have taken a step forward in this tour of duty. You got to think some of the guys in that um, 2022 class that some of them didn't get here until the summer. So this is really their first experience with the tour of duty these last couple of weeks. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of factors going into the spring and there's going to be a ton of guys fighting for spots as well when it comes to starting jobs or even just being in the rotation. So I think a lot of exciting storylines kind of to go from here. There is. There is a ton, and
1: I'm really excited about some of these newcomers. We'll talk about it here when we get through the offensive preview, but when you speak of tour of duty, man, that's no joke. We went there, we saw it, and we got to see a lot of players that stood out to us who ended up having really nice seasons. I'm thinking about Renardo Green. You and I yep. stepped out of that. We stepped out of that workout, and we were like, okay. Okay, Renardo Green. Hello, fully healthy. I think that was one of the biggest signs we saw early on, but then to see it progress into the football season, it goes to show you can see little signs. Pat Payton, too. We were like, holy smokes, Pat Payton put on some size, and it translated into the season. So us going to Tour of Duty, we might not be able to get photos and videos and all that kind of stuff, but whenever we able to come on here and describe some of these players and what they've done to their bodies, like Joshua Farmer, who also put on really significant size, too, at this time.
0: It's your favorite thing Um, to do, man, just describe the bodies of grown men.
1: It is. It is. Uh, We have one of our riders down in Miami, Dylan, uh, at the booster tour right now. And he said Tatum Bethune is there with Mike Norvell and saw a picture the other day of Tatum Bethune looking pretty big. I'm interested to see what he looks like when we see tour of duty. I bet he's putting on a little bit of size and um, Coach Storms is going to put him through a a cut later on. But, uh, you know, we've got to first look at some of these dudes. But, yes, Dustin, my favorite time of the year is to look at guys lifting – sweaty and looking with big muscles. Just, just, um, yeah, I'm going to stop it there. Uh, let's move on here to some quick hitters real quick. Florida state opens as a one point favorite guys, one point favorite over LSU to kick off their 2023 football season. How are we feeling? Does that seem right? Is that too much? I mean, it's one frigging point. It's pretty, it's almost 50, 50 here. Things are going to change quite a bit. It's only February, but early signs though they're giving it to the florida natives and uh the home crowd maybe favorite going into this one before brian kelly comes down to orlando again both teams had played their bowl games in orlando so this shouldn't be anything new to them but definitely the perk goes on florida state's side doesn't don't have to travel far whatsoever and they got the best shot of lsu in new orleans with a heavy lsu crowd there and florida state did bring their crowd for sure absolutely but Um, you know, this should be very, very heavy FSCU as we saw at the cheese It bowl, absolutely showing out like crazy. And that was expected. But what do you
0: guys think about this early line guys? I can just say to me, it's fitting. I mean, think about how the game ended last year, 24 to 23, one point game, Shaheen Brown blocks the extra point to secure the victory for Florida state. So it's fitting that that would be, the opening line for this one. And, yeah, I think Florida State, they should have the advantage going into this game. They've beaten this team before. They've got a ton of guys coming back, one of the top transfer classes, if not the top transfer class in the country. So you've got to like FSU's odds going into it and, you know, hope they don't overlook this matchup after beating LSU last year. But just thinking back to it, I mean, FSU was up 17-3 to in that third quarter. There were a couple of plays that went the other way where if they don't, Florida State maybe blows out lsu so we'll see what happens in orlando in 2023
2: no i agree and both teams have made improvements from where they were to begin last season because honestly when we were leaving that game in new orleans we're all thinking there's a good game between two teams that are like seven and five eight and four and you know at one point lsu was a top five team last season so th- they definitely improved throughout last season and they also improved this off season so i think it makes sense just to leave it at a one point game to essentially pick them um it should be once again a very good game to, this time in orlando
0: yeah, maybe one of the biggest games of the year. I mean, I think it's feasible to yep. say that both of these teams enter this game as as in the top ten, yep. both of them. Whereas last year, was LSU ranked? Mm-mm. Yeah, so neither team was ranked last year, and now it's a top ten matchup.
2: It so, may even be top five, honestly, depending on how, on how much how much voting Florida State gets. I don't think any of us are expecting it, but it's not impossible.
1: mm hmm I don't think it's impossible either, but definitely, certainly top 10 matchup, which if looking at the early slate of games in that week one at this, this is the winner right here. There's going to be a lot of eyes on this matchup Two gigantic brands facing in a neutral site i think it's going to be huge for a lot of college football fans tuning in and let alone a lot of fsu fans will be going crazy i don't don't know what the ticket prices are right now i don't even know if they're even available but holy smokes man that is we we thought the cheez-it bowl was big and it definitely was but this one's going to be a whole different animal gentlemen this is going to be huge and brian kelly a second year at his program at lsu i think this is going to be a better team that should be um but like tom's saying in the comments Brian Kelly, kind of a little up and down starting the seasons, things kind of pick up later on. And I think Brian Kelly is a a phenomenal coach, one of the best in college football, but if you can get him early on in the season and Florida state was able to compete, you know, they had a week zero game, which was really rare. So they kind of already had what was working, got to had a little bit of film, but you're also facing an opponent that isn't at the talent level as LSU. It's going to be, Really coach versus coach, if I'm looking early on in this, who's going to coach and have the – coach the best game plan uh, against their opponent, and I think it's going to be a true test to really tell where does Mike Norvell rank as a college football coach right now in the in the college football um, realm. So I, I think it's going to be awesome. Tons of really fun storylines. You've got Jordan Travis, Jaden Daniels going against each other once again. was a thriller last year. I mean, what else can you ask for, man? What else can you really ask for? And we just lost Dustin just like that, Austin. I mean, just tough scenes. <laughs> tough scenes. Uh,
2: uh, yeah, I mean, you really can't ask for more. You know, like I said, these are two teams that didn't have many expectations last year, and they grew into huge expectations as the season went on. Um, and now, it should like I said, it should be a really, really good game.
1: Dustin, we we lost you there for a second. Didn't know if you weren't excited for this game or not. We we're going to have to bring Austin Veezy down to Orlando <laughs> to cover it for us and let Whoa. you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, no, I I was just talking about Dustin how what just the, the anticipation, the hype. Like you don't even have to hype this game up. It, it adds that kind of thrill factor to it from what we had last season alone and bringing in a team that has a ton of expectations in Tallahassee and also is the same way at LSU with stars on both sides of the field for both teams. I I just, just sign me up, man. These tickets aren't going to be easy to grab. It's just going to be a
0: fun weekend in Orlando. Even last year when these two teams weren't ranked coming into this game, I mean, there was a lot of excitement for Florida state fans to get a chance to play LSU, you know, an sec team, seeing Brian Kelly, come down who had obviously just beaten Florida state the year before in the season opener and the team that he was able to build through the transfer portal at LSU and everything. And now with this one, I mean, there's nothing you really have to sell. These are going to be two top five teams Uh, on paper. It looks like this is going to be an extremely competitive game. And, you know, depending on who wins this one, this could start the path to a climb to a potential playoff run for one of these two teams. And I mean, even the loser is still going to have a chance if they went out, rest of the way so i mean yeah this could be considered a top five matchup in during the entire season i feel like and you know it's in week one
1: it is sign me up baby i'm already i'm already ready to be there but spring camp comes first we're gonna start jumping into that right now florida state like we talked about not too far away from kicking off their spring practices. And we're going to start off with offense this week. Next week, we'll jump into defense and talk about Jared versus defense. I should say, and Fabian Lovitz. but offensively, I think some question marks last year for, there was a lot of question marks on the offensive side for us. What kind of, what different stride, what kind of improvements is Jordan Travis going to take? Can he stay fully healthy? That was one on his side of things. And then you look at the wide receiver room after a really disappointing year, the year previous are these transfers going to come in and make an impact? Boom, they do that this last year. We're looking at this offense in a whole lot of different ways. What is Trey Benson? What uh, can he even run with that leg? I mean, every FSU fan was freaking about his the pickup there that Mike Norvell, Mike Norvell made and David Johnson. You know, God forbid they bring in Trey Benson, but he goes in, he balls. So I think we've got a lot of answers that should bring a lot of excitement dustin to this offense where we're not having a whole ton of question marks anymore yeah there's a few here and there but you kind of know what you're working with and you're adding more additions like a jaheem bell kyle Morlock, also in that tight end room you've got a rodney hill who i think both of us dustin seeing him in camp seeing him in practices are really excited for could be a potential breakout guy in the next month or so during camp there's just not as much question marks from this last year than it is this year, at least offensively.
0: I think that's a good way to put it. This this unit really enters the spring more established. You know what you have in Jordan Travis. You now know what you have in a guy behind him in, in Tate Rodemaker who, in the event of an injury, has proved he can step in. You've got guys in the running back room, Trey Benson, Lawrence Philly, obviously the two studs. But, yeah, like you said, Rodney Hill, I think he might end up being an upgrade over Trishawn Ward in the rotation, which, honestly, that yeah. sounds insane. But I think the kid – is that talented. You've got six or seven wide receivers that have now proven themselves. Uh, you look at the tight end unit. You've got Jaheem Bell and Kyle Morlock coming in. You've got Marquise and Douglas back, put some gravy on that biscuit. And you've also got Brian Courtney, who made some tremendous strides during practice uh, throughout his true freshman season and then made a little bit of an impact there down the line, catching that two-point conversion in the bowl game against Oklahoma. And then on the offensive line, you've got five guys coming back who started a combined 44 games last year, you're bringing in three very quality transfers, and you've got some other young guys in the ranks, Julian Armella, Jalen Early, Bryson Estes, who have showed promise as well. So this offense, they've got a lot of faces on there. We're going to kind of see how things shake out as far as the rotation. I think at some positions, you kind of already know where guys are going to start or maybe guys that are going to play a lot. But there's some interesting names throughout the position groups that could also really rise up the ranks starting in this spring
2: it's crazy how much how much a year can make a difference you know last year we we're going into it going and what's the wide receiver room going to look like you know is travis ready for the next step is the offensive line going to be ready now we're coming to this season we know for the most part what the receivers are going to be you can talk about who's going to replace pokey wilson um you know what the tight ends are going to be you know what the running back room is going to be and the, uh, there's going to be some shuffling on the offensive line we'll talk about it here shortly, but it, it, we're a lot more positive than we were this time a year ago that's for sure.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to bring up some question marks here that I have going into it. There's not a ton of them, but there's probably two here. My first one is Winston Wright Jr., how available is he going to be? What's his availability going to look like going into this spring? Because we were there at practices, Dustin, we would see him catch balls. And we're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is going to happen here. Because everybody on Twitter, anything we tweeted about Winston Wright Jr. would fly through the roof with retweets. Because there's a lot of excitement for what he can bring to this offense mm-hmm. and the deep threat, his speed. And we saw what he did for West Virginia. And Can that production come over to a Mike Norvell offense? That would be obviously really exciting to watch, but what is going to be his availability? I'm interested and going to ask, you know, Mike Norvell specifically kind of what, what the game plan for him is because he practically used that whole last season to rehab and we never got to see him hit the field. Can Florida state, get him into the rotation this upcoming season? Uh, You know, it's make it or break it now for him. And I'm interested to see, what the game plan there is for the speedster from West Virginia. And then probably my other one is going to be how is Florida State going to utilize and and use really Jaheem Bell on Mike bell's offense? And I'm interested to see. You could put this guy out wide, you could put him in the slot, you can put him on the line, you can put him in the freaking backfield if you want to. That's how talented he is. I'm just wondering how they're going to use him specifically and it's going to, we're really going to find out. We're not going to find out much. Maybe we'll see a little bit in practices and definitely we get the fall camp when we get that that far, but I'm really interested just first off, the skill set that Jaheim Bell is going to bring into a Mugnarell offense with a trio of tight ends. It, it, this is the first time where I'm actually excited about talking <laughs> tight ends. We've never talked. We've never gotten excited on here on this freaking show ever, forever long. We've been doing this show. We've never gotten excited about talking about tight ends ever. Nobody, nobody in the comments, no one, but now I'm excited about the trio, your first trio. And even a young and like Brian Courtney coming in and people, I don't want people sleeping on Mark Easton Douglas, but I think, to, you know, with Jaheim Bell, how are they going to use him? That's probably two of my question marks going into this camp.
0: It's going to be really interesting to see uh, how they use Jaheim. Like you noted, you can put him in the backfield. You can flex him out li- out wide. You can use him as a traditional tight end. So, I mean, this is a really a guy that they can move all over the offense. And it's going to be – you know, think about a guy like Mike Norvell, a very creative offensive mind. It's going to be fun to see some of the positions that – he ends up putting Jahim in and then just going over to Winston Wright. Yeah, he used that entire 2022 season basically as a basically to rehab and we got to see him some in practice and it just never really felt like he was 100% on that leg yet whether it was still physically or even that mental hump of just getting over the injury but seeing videos of Tour of Duty and you know some of his social media posts it looks like the sleeve is off of that previously injured leg. And now, you know, you look at the calendar, you're getting closer and closer to a year removed from when he suffered that injury. By the time the season starts, he's going to be 16, 17 months or so out from the injury. So, I mean, yeah, at this point, you're hoping in the spring he's going to be full go. And he's really a wild card right now because he's a potential replacement for Ontario Wilson if he's able to get back fully healthy. Obviously, a guy – who's a speedster, who's proven himself over in the Big 12, both as a receiver and as a, a guy on special teams, a dangerous returner. So he can make a huge impact um, on both units if he does come back. And that's going to be something interesting to follow over the first couple of weeks of spring camp because there's a lot of guys in that wide receiver wide receiver room.
2: And, and arguably his biggest skill set is the one Florida State needs, and that's just someone that can take the top off of defense. We saw what Jordan Travis can do with Pokey Wilson. I think Winston Wright's a little bit more talented than Pokey. Um, so to have a guy that has has that speed, has that athleticism, has the abilities he has, if he's fully healthy, it's only gonna be good things for this offense. We saw what Pokey did against LSU, we saw what he did against Miami. Um hopefully hopefully Winston Wright can step right into that right in that role. My biggest question is how the offensive line shakes out, because this is the first time that they have like really good depth, and you're wondering. Wow, they've got seven or eight guys that could possibly start, but five spots. You know, you're only losing Dylan Gibbons from last year with – we'll see what happens with Demetri Emanuel, but it kind of looks like he's going to be back for next season. And you, like Dustin mentioned, you're bringing in Jeremiah Byers and Casey Roddick and Keandre Jones' transfers. H- how does that last left guard spot work out? Does someone get shuffled back to the bench for a guy like Jeremiah Byers to step up? I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out during spring.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough because, I mean, you really have, what, eight or nine potential bona fide starters on that unit. I mean, from the guys coming back, you've got Demetri Emmanuel, Robert Scott, um, Marie Smith, Darius Washington, and Bless Harris, who all started games for Florida State last year. And then coming in, Casey Roddick, Keandre Jones, and uh, Jeremiah Byers, obviously from UTEP. And then think about some young guys in the ranks, Julian Armella, who showed a lot last year during practices and we thought he was going to work his way into the rotation. Um, Jalen early as well, Bryson Estes, I mentioned them as well. So, I mean, that's 10, 11 guys fighting for, like you said, five spots. We'll see how it shakes out, but that's a good thing for Florida state. And I think Alex Atkins and the rest of that offensive line staff, they've got to be kind of salivating over the amount of combinations they're going to have here. And then when you think back to last year, Florida state was kind of hit with some injuries very, very early. Caden Lyles, Knocked out during the preseason. Marie Smith went down at one point during the preseason. It was like, wow, is the season over before it even starts? Florida State's lost both of their centers. Darius Washington dealt with injuries. Bless Harris was out for the season. Yeah. He was the starting mm-hmm. right tackle out for the season after playing against Duquesne. Remember, so, I mean,
1: remember, Lou, we were looking at that. We're like, oh, my God, this is over. <laughs> LSU's just going to rip off the side now out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, thankfully, Jason Turnitine is there. So I think it's great that you have eight very experienced guys where in the event you suffer an injury, uh, two injuries, three injuries, you've got guys that you can insert in there. And especially when you look at Bless Harris and Darius Washington, even Robert Scott, those are versatile guys. They can both play inside or outside. I think a guy like Jeremiah Byers who played right tackle at UTEP, he could do the same thing at Florida State. He can move inside. He could play outside. So the flexibility is something that's going to help the Seminoles as
1: well hundred percent let's jump into quarterbacks real quick we won't spend so much time we won't go by through them because I, I like just regular discussion open discussion so if we jump to other positions that's fine we'll go off of that but let's jump into quarterbacks real quick jordan travis another year with with tony tow and we saw the improvements that both j trav and tate Rodemaker took i think i know i know what i'm getting out of j trav i don't need to dive into this too far we're only going to the spring but For spring, I think it's bigger for younger players. I'm looking at A.J. Duffy, man. I'm looking at A.J. Duffy, and I'm looking for Brock Glenn to push and be behind his heels because we saw Duffy early on and more of a playful guy, kind of just getting adjusted to maybe the college lifestyle, and then you saw the coaching get a little bit more tougher on him and Mike Norvell being more hands-on with him, Dustin and VZ. but I think biggest thing right now for me quarterback-wise going to spring camp is Duffy. Can Duffy make that next stride? And then also Brock Glenn. What, what what are we getting out of Brock Glenn will be fun to watch the little bits. And, and I, I think it's going to be great to have Duffy with Glenn right behind him. Honestly, this might be the best thing because if you thought about it, Tate Roddenmaker was ahead of him um, and there was no competitiveness there at all for that. Um, and, and Duffy was kind of just sitting there behind and, you know, he had the few walk-ons with him. But, you know, having a younger guy that, high, you know, a, a highly touted prospect, uh, on the recruiting side of things as a quarterback coming in and coming to compete with you to take a, a depth spot week by week is going to be fun to watch, but specifically this spring camp, I'm watching Duffy and Glenn and primarily I want to see improvement out of Duffy because there there needs to be
0: improvement. I agree. I've kind of got it separated into two different tiers on one on one side, you know, obviously for to say they need to protect Jordan Travis during this period. they already know what they have and Jordan Travis. But you've got to think, ever since he arrived at Florida State, got under Mike Norvell in 2020, this is a guy who's made strides every offseason, and he's always been able to add something new to his game. So I'm just wondering, going into his final collegiate season at Florida State, what's J Trav going to be able to add this time? Because there's still some things that he can step uh, take forward as a quarterback. We'll see what he does. But, you know, I'm sure the guy's working hard. We saw today up to 209 pounds. So, that's obviously going to be helping as far as uh, durability wise. And then the other thing, you know, you were kind of talking about it, but can Florida state begin to look for their quarterback of the future while knowing what they have in Jordan Travis, you know, you can put Tate Rodemaker, AJ Duffy and Brock Glenn through a lot this spring. I feel like give them a, a ton of different reps, you know, if Jordan Travis needs a, a rest day or, or something like that throughout the spring, it's kind of a, a unique opportunity with Jordan coming back and, being the unquestioned starter for the second straight year. And, yeah, like you said, Duffy, he kind of struggled to acclimate at times in 2022. And Brock Lynn, I mean, this is a guy, this was Florida State's top quarterback target. They went out, got him, flipped him from Ohio State. He's coming in with um, one heck of a mindset on his shoulders. And, I mean, that's just to go out there, compete, and try and win the job. And you got to think you've got Luke Kromanhawk committed as well. So a year from now, you're going to have three very – talented young signal callers on campus competing for that spot to replace Jordan Travis, uh, a guy like Duffy, a guy like Brock Glenn can begin to set themselves apart beginning right now.
2: Yeah. I'm really interested, interested to see how these young guys work out. Um, as we mentioned, Brock Glenn's coming in, he's going to be pushing these guys. Ideally, you don't want him being the second or third quarterback though. So as long as state Rodemaker and AJ Duffy can continue making those strides, um, that that's really what Florida state needs from the quarterback position this offseason more than anything. Yep.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've been really impressed with tow cars, you know, being able to get close with him and talk with him and to also see what he's been able to do on the field, the product that he had put out with Jordan Travis and then obviously the game that we've talked about so many times at Louisville with Tate Rodemaker coming back and responding after his interception and winning that game on the road was huge on a Friday night, but Really, um, specifically, these two younger guys, I want to see what happens, the kind of chemistry. I'm also looking at Jordan Travis as a vocal leader this this year. I I think we saw a turn of that a little bit after that three-game losing stretch. We saw him being a little bit more assertive in practices, definitely going at the defense and chirping up a little bit, something we had never seen in his career whatsoever. He's more kind of kept to himself. Kind of guy. I think we're going to see more of a vocal leader out of Jordan Travis this upcoming year. Florida State's pushing very hard, getting the Heisman campaign rolling and everything, advertising. I'm seeing not that he's going to be a Jameis Winston kind of vocal. There's, it's very hard to be at the Jameis Winston level just personality wise and outgoing wise and and chatter-wise, but I think we're going to see a little bit more of that kind of Jordan Travis this upcoming spring camp, honestly, because I think it's shown to help a lot leadership-wise for not only this group, but this team overall, and it's he's already got the respect of his teammates, but some things need to be told, and they need to be told at that moment to make things change and hold everybody accountable. I'm expecting to see a little bit of a more mouthy Jordan Travis,
0: and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I don't think it's been something, you know, it wasn't second nature to him as far as being a leader, but it's something that he's grown into over the last couple of years as he's become more comfortable, as he's grown into a bigger player for this program, and, you know, as he's improved on and off the field. And like you said, you really saw it during practice this last year. If a receiver ran a wrong route or an offensive lineman blocked the wrong guy, or a running back hit the wrong hole, Jordan Travis would be quick to go over – put an arm around them, talk about it. They'd go over and look at it on the the big board where you've got the, the video replaying, kind of get on the same page. So, I mean, it's really been impressive just to – because, you know, some guys try and force it, but it's mm-hmm. never felt like Jordan Travis has been that guy as a leader. It's always been completely genuine. And, you know, that doesn't mean he doesn't get on his guys. <laughs> We've seen him go after the defense as well. He's got some fire – some fireness to his personality. But it's just really – impressive. And I think it also helps that obviously now he's going into his fifth year at Florida state. So he's kind of seen it all at this point.
2: And a lot of leadership comes from confidence. You know, there's, you could argue there was no quarterback playing better football in the country than Jordan Travis, other than maybe Caleb Williams and a couple other guys. Uh, the, the, the better you're playing, the more you're going to be assertive in taking those roles and getting guys in the right spots and making sure they're doing the right things.
1: I think that's a good point. Let's run over to running backs. Biggest name here, you lose Treshawn Ward, but you have Tr- uh, Trey Benson coming back for another year. That was huge. You know, this is a guy that I think could have gone. I think it was better for him to come back for another year so that he's he, he can do this again for another season. It's going to put him on a higher draft board than what he would have gone or where he would have gone this year in this upcoming draft in April. But Trey Benson coming back for another season. How big is that for this offense and understanding, you know, Mike Norvell, his offense is usually predicated around sharing carries with other running backs, but just specifically Trey Benson and what he brings to this offense and how he can change games just like that. Uh, How does that impact going into the
0: spring? I think it's huge because now Trey Benson doesn't have to acclimate himself. He doesn't have to prove himself. Whenever Florida State – entered the season last year, you were still kind of trying to figure out who's the head of this three-headed monster. Is it Trey Benson? Is it Treshawn Ward? Is it Lawrence Toa Philly? And finally, you know, unfortunately for Ward, whenever he went down, Benson finally got the shot as the feature back and, I mean, absolutely ran away with it during the second half of the season, coming up just short of a 1,000-yard season. I mean, man, one more decent run against Oklahoma and he gets there, but Think about it. He he hadn't really had any college experience at that point. Was coming off a major knee injury. Now he's going to be another year removed from that. Already has a year of experience in Florida State system, and I think he's really just starting to reach the ceiling um, that he has as a running back. You know, he still got. He still needs to hit running lanes better. There's still some different aspects of his game that he can take step steps forward at, and I think he saw that coming back for another year working with Mike Norvell, working with David Johnson, who have put so many guys in the NFL level who are having success um, up there. That's going to help him take that next step and and really have another, maybe even we'll call it another breakout campaign this season. And it's going to help to have a guy like Lawrence Toafili, who's been here for a couple of years and a guy like Rodney Hill, maybe even Keziah Holmes flanking him to help him out.
2: Yeah, as you talked about, he, st- he still needs to hit running lanes a little bit better. We saw it in both the LSU game and the Oklahoma game, where sometimes he just dances around a little bit too much, trying to get east-west, where sometimes he just needs to hit that hole and go. Um, another offseason is going to help. Having confidence in the knee for a full offseason is going to help. We really don't know where the confidence was in his knee this time last year. Mm-hmm. Now he's had a full season under his belts, and, and he can get back to being – well, We think I think he can easily be a 1,100, 1,200-yard 1, rusher if he stays fully healthy.
1: Yep, if he can stay fully healthy, for sure. I'm looking at – like You were talking about Kaziah Holmes, someone that we really haven't seen much of at all, didn't get to play last season. Penn State transfer. Penn State usually will trot out some pretty damn good running backs. I'm interested to see what Penn State saw in him and then the now availability, him coming into Tallahassee and being a full go. I really liked his press conference. I see a lot of confidence, at least coming from that press conference when we were covering it, a lot of confidence in him. He says he has a lot of play style similar to Trey Benson, and that says a lot, but he says he has his own kind of characteristics that he has that he can bring onto the game field on Saturdays, but just a lot of confidence is coming from Holmes, and that says a lot to a room that is already stacked with talent. You look at C.J. Campbell, too. We've talked about Rodney Hill. I think that's one of my nominees for breakout player during the camp. But yeah, I'm, I'm 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 interested to see D Lou because you know we get questions all the time about him, but we only got to see him going against the practice the practice yeah. squad, or you're going against the threes, the fours. You know, you're just not going to get the reps because you're not going to see the field on a Saturday. But you, you can see the physical attributes, but I'm not going to evaluate anything until we get to see him running with the twos, the ones, everything like that.
0: Right. It seems like that's everyone's favorite player already on social media or <laughs> in our Discord. Everyone's talking about Kaizé Holmes and it's just like, hey, we need to slow this down a little bit, you know, because he, he didn't really play much at Penn State in 2021 while dealing with some injuries, was on the practice squad this past year. And, I mean, he did. He did earn Co-Offensive Scout Team Player of the Year. I think he shared it with Gino English. I mean, obviously, Florida State saw some things in practice, and we're going to see how he kind of – transitions over here actually getting reps with the first team the second team and yeah we'll see how it goes from there but right now my favorite kind of to replace Treshawn Ward in the rotation maybe even more than what what Ward was able to produce last year which is crazy to say because I mean this is a guy who has been a starter obviously right there in the rotation the last couple of years behind Corbin um, in 2021 started out as a starter this year lost it to Trey Benson has led Florida state and average yards per carry the past two years. I mean, it's going to be no easy task, but Rodney Hill, he just has all the talent in the world. And I mean, yeah, damn good player.
1: But you know, one thing I'm going to keep an eye on too, and I'm going to ask this to Norbell or whoever I can during that press conference next friday is what they're going to do with joshua burrell a guy that's been dealing with injuries i'm interested to see if he's going to stay fully at running back they're going to put him at wide receiver. He's going to be a hybrid just kind of how they were with jakai douglas you know i'm interested to see i think specifically they're going to keep him at running back to start off with the spring camp might be a shot in the dark there i don't know i'm just taking a guess just going off of a few things but that's something
0: at least position wise what are you going off of that gives you that idea Going off to feed things, pictures, pictures of what of people with people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't go into full detail, but yeah, no, that's something I'm just questioning. I don't need to talk about it anymore, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I just need to know these things, man. I need to know them for future pieces, you know, as, as you know, position changes, they get a lot of views. So, so see what's going on with bro. I just don't know what they want to do with that kid, but I just want a fully healthy bro. Can I ask? Any more of that. I just want to. F- I want to give this kid a fully healthy. Because remember, we were talking about him at wide receiver and Anquan Bolden type build. Not going to be the fastest guy that's going to burn you, but he's going to take down those contested catches. Yeah, uh, I'm just interested to see what they do with him.
0: What what the game plan is for him. My prediction is he sticks at running back. If is, I did that's what I'm feeling too,
2: this might be a crazy, crazy take. Is there a oh, chance? To, is, is there a chance to try to make him like a Jaheim Bell 2.0? He's only about ten pounds lighter.
1: That, that's what I was gonna say. I literally was gonna say someone, Jahim Bell's realm. I don't yeah. know if he's got the talent attribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he's Bell, he's only
2: ten pounds lighter. Has a similar skill set. They're they're maybe an inch difference height wise. Could they yeah. try and do something like that? Just a guy that can play all over the field, wide receiver, tight end, running back, wherever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why, that's why we have spring camps, baby. I guess we'll find out soon. And I'll be able yeah. to tell you on
0: here, VZ. I don't know. Either that- way, just hope he figures it out because obviously he's dealt with some setbacks injury-wise his first few years at Florida State. He hasn't been able to record an offensive statistic yet. And If you guys remember back, uh, dating back to when he was a high school recruit and committed to Florida State, this was a guy, uh, a major bell cow for FSU at the time. So it would be good to see things uh, work out for him in Tallahassee. Jump over to the
1: wide receiver room, gentlemen. Was the biggest question mark on offense this last year, I would say. I mean, damn. Go in the transfer portal. You make these additions. You don't even have your, end quote, your best transfer at the wide receiver room with Winston Wright Jr. not being available at all last year. And then you still get that production. (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm dying. But uh, it's not fun, like, breathing in your own spit. I highly suggest no one do that. But going into that room, though, Micah Pittman coming in, Johnny Wilson having the season that he did, um, and then Deuce Span, I, I think for me, my, my question mark out of this room is going to be Deuce Span. Can he take that next step? Because we were just talking about earlier taking the top off of a defense. Deuce Span should be able to do that alongside if Winston Wright Jr. is fully healthy. You add that on there, man, I mean, goodness gracious. You've got gadgets in every type of scenario for what you want to do. Short gain, mid gain. Red zone, deep threat, a lot of different, lot of different kind of talents and advantages you can take as an offensive coordinator like Mike Norvell to go against your opponents and defenses. But I think my biggest thing is is Deuce Span. Can he take that next step in that rim? Because I kind of already know what I'm going to get out of Micah Johnny. I want to see more consistency out of Johnny, but specifically Deuce Span. That's my question mark. Will that next step be made? And I and I really do think it will be.
0: This is an interesting one, right, because Florida State, I mean, man, so much talent coming back in this room. You aren't losing Ontario Terry Wilson, who played a crucial crucial role last year, and you're losing Malik McLean, who was kind of a spot starter and also heavily involved there in that wide receiver rotation. But, I mean, man, like you said, Logan, Florida State, so many different guys that they can use in so many different scenarios in that wide receiver core. Um, the big one for me is can Johnny Wilson just become a little bit more consistent when it comes to catching the ball, that you know there were some drops last year, and yeah, like you said, there are some other guys. do Span, you want to see him become a little bit more consistent. I think a big one for me, Kentron Poitier, really made some impressive plays last year. And I mean, man, six foot four, a guy who can really go down there and help Florida State as a deep threat. With Ontario Wilson and Malik McLean kind of shifting out for Florida State, can he kind of step in there? And a Winston Wright, who I mentioned earlier, as a wild card. I mean, man, you can just talk about this position group forever. What's Hakeem Williams going to do? The the five-star early enrollee who's already on campus. Vondravius Jacobs led the state of Florida in receiving yards and touchdowns as a high school senior. He's here, too. So, I mean, man, there's just talent, experienced talent, young talent, kind of in the middle, developing talent when you think of a guy like Deuce Man who's still kind of figuring out all the characteristics of playing wide receiver after beginning his college career at quarterback. So, so much for Florida State to work, here, work with here. A lot of excitement and Austin said it earlier on the podcast. We wouldn't have been saying that a year ago when we were going into spring ball. There were so many questions like, are these guys going to be good enough? And I think
2: they are. Yeah, to, to your point <laughs> about Poitier, he was he was second on the team in yards per reception and second on the team in, in receiving touchdowns. He, he came on in a big way last season. I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, and he made some really impressive catches, especially in the red zone. Like Dustin said, there's so much talent in this room, even just all the way down to the freshman between high Williams, Goldie Lawrence, Vandrevis Jacobs, just a ton of talent in this room. It's going to be interesting to see how, how it all rotates throughout the game and who they're relying on down the stretch in the fourth quarter. If it comes to that.
1: Tom's asking on here, which, of, which one of the new wide receivers do you think stand out? He said he's going with Vandravius Jacobs. I'm also going with Vandravius Jacobs. Hakeem Williams is high Williams. I, I think, through his career there Vendravius Jacobs is going to gonna prove a lot of people wrong. This, this kid is really, really good. He's going to have to put on a little bit of size and I'm not expecting him to make that jump this year. No, but I think a guy that can stand out maybe later in the spring, we're going to fall camp. I think I'll be like, okay, yeah. Once he gets another year under his belt, this is going to be a star in the making for Florida State's offense for Mike Novell in the future.
0: I think Jacobs comes in a little bit more polished as a wide receiver than Heikeen, but the athletic attributes that williams brings are just eye-popping off the charts and if he can figure it out you know how to track balls how to run crisp routes he's going to be very useful for florida state very early on but just the raw athleticism i don't know if you're going to be able to keep off the field
1: mm-hmm. and like y'all were just talking very highly of portier there i'm given a bold prediction here. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the starting unit in 2023 kicking off against LSU. Not be shocked. Don't hate it. Um, all right, let's go over to tight end, which, wow, I'm actually like, I'm not like bored right now. I'm not about to fall asleep. I'm not going to be disappointed or anything. I'm like, I'm jumping right now being able to talk about this tight room, tight end room, both and newcomers guys that have already been here. And then some younger guys that we saw make those strides this last season, like Brian Courtney, uh let's jump into the biggest name in this room it feels like and not the biggest guy marquise and Douglas, but jaheem bell he transfers over from south carolina was getting hit up from a lot of schools across the country as he should just the talent that he brings and what he could bring to an offense but he specifically decides to come to tallahassee and play for Mike norvell why do you think that is he decides to pick for pick tallahassee and, and finish off his college career at florida state why do you think that is specifically
0: Well, I said tight end
1: because this is the first time we've had a you've seen a playmaker at the tight end position. You know, I I love you know we're gonna have Cam McDonald on here on our next episode next week, but
0: yeah,
1: oh wow, we're we're at this point of the show now where we can kind of just tease things and they better happen though. I will tell you what, if if he if he I'll text him right now if he caps out on us, but. This is, this, this is a playmaker at the tight end position. Florida State fans have been waiting for this for a very long time, going back to, you could say, the Nick O'Leary days. Let's just be honest here. This is the kind of caliber talent that Jeheen Bell, a different player than Nick O'Leary, but just playmaker-wise at that position, that's what Bell's going to bring. Well, Why do you think he picked Florida State in this offense, man?
0: I mentioned it earlier, but I think it's just the creativity of, of Mike Norvell as a head coach and understanding that he's going to be able to be used in a ton of different ways in Tallahassee not just as a traditional tight end but also in certain aspects that fit him as a player that are going to be able to showcase him and and what he can do for the next level as well you know South Carolina they kind of used him as well flipped him to running back at one point when they were, when they were dealing with some injuries but they're more vanilla with how they utilize his skill set and I think Norvell sees something really unique with Jaheem that could potentially unlock something that Florida State hasn't had at tight end over the past couple of years.
2: Yeah, I just think Norvell did a great job of selling, selling Bell what he could be in this offense. Like Dustin said, someone that can move around all over the field and not be relied upon as one of the only playmakers, like kind of like he was in South Carolina. We, we just talked about the running backs, the wide receivers, and even Jordan Travis as a running threat. There's so many options for this offense. and You plug Bell in there, it's just one more thing for the defense that they have to worry about.
1: Yeah, going around, going back to maybe we'll go to Kyle Morlock, and then we'll go to some guys that are already had been with the program for a little while, like Marquista Douglas, Brian Courtney. Uh, you know, Kyle Morlock, a guy that Florida State was able to recruit to six seven, two fifty. Still going I think we talked to him most recently during his introductory press conference into Florida State said he's gonna work on putting on some more size too, with Coach Storms, came in a little bit thinner. Than what his roster had said previously, but a guy that maybe is more of your traditional type of tight end, I would say. Um, you know, more maybe the athletic side of things than just a traditional holding down the fort, like maybe a Marquiston Douglas does and blocking scenarios and schemes. But he kind of brings a different versatility to what maybe Magnarvella has wanted to do at the tight end position. And this is, I mean, you can kind of have Johnny Wilson over here you can have Kyle Morlock on this side you got Portier I mean you've got Towers everywhere but Kyle Morlock like more of a more thinner and doesn't have maybe the athletic I don't know athletic I mean he still has athleticism I'm just trying to figure out what maybe there are changes with Jaheim Bell I think we're going to figure it out when we have a spring camp type of deal but Kyle <laughs> Morlock like a nice addition to this offense though
0: yeah I do want to point out like you said came in undersized compared to what he was listed at at shorter college which pun but anyway six foot six (laughs) 230 pounds for Kyle Morlock. yeah he's more of your guy that's you know attached to the offensive line at the end of the line of scrimmage a guy who can he's going to need to improve as a blocker but led shorter college um, in receiving the last two seasons going to be kind of interesting because he's making that transition from d2 to the fbs so there's certainly going to be a learning curve and he's going to be practicing against better talent obviously playing against better talent than he ever has before in his college career so it's going to be a little interesting you know jared verse you kind of already saw on paper what this dude could do and you saw it on film at albany as well It, it seemed like he had the athletic traits to Instantly transition and make an impact for Florida State. I'm wondering if Morlock is doing the same thing because he's coming from a level even further than Jared Verse was. You know, Verse FCS Morlock D two. So I mean, that's no transition to scoff at. He's got the size, but yeah, I'm interested to see how he begins to transition. This spring, especially when we're going to get into these returning guys, you've got some guys coming back with experience who are also talented and I think are going to give Moorlock a run for his money.
2: Ideally, he's your tight end, too, this season. And if he is, it's a totally different tight end, too, than we've seen these past couple of years. He's not a Jordan Wilson or a wire Rector, where it's just this straight inline blocking tight end that you're using on counters to push through the gaps. This is a guy that's going to be a receiving threat if he can reach that potential that Dustin says he has.
1: And Marquise and Douglas, someone that was a nice surprise, maybe nothing too crazy. But Marquise and Douglas making that next step, worked on his body a ton, lost some weight and was surprisingly really reliable in the hands, man. I was like, OK, Marquise and Douglas. And we saw mm-hmm. Florida State utilizing him a lot more in the passing game during these spring and fall camps. I'm like, damn, Norvell is really building some trust here. With Marquiston and you saw him make some plays this last year. Maron gonna come back for another year. I think another camp will be huge for him. And then you've got Brian Courtney, too, who a lot of a lot of outlets like him and his athleticism, um his grid, I think he really runs some nice routes too for a tight end at his size. this there should be a lot of excitement for this room going into this camp, but it definitely is highlight, I think, for returning players with, Marquise and Douglas, Douglas making that next step. We just launched our show, Calculated Chaos, with 2013 national champion Brian Stork. And Brian was talking about specifically Marquise and Douglas. And he sees a lot of attributes that are similar to Nick O'Leary. And that's saying quite a bit because, you know, Brian Stork, one of his best friends being Nick O'Leary. I just don't see him saying that a lot about other players and for him to say that about Marquise and he likes him a lot. And, you know, that's a that's a film guy. He, he, he's a, a nerd. He nerds out at film uh, watches maybe too much of it. He would probably admit that. But for him to have those kind of, you know, nice things to say about him and give him some love, I think is, is huge. But, you know, Marquise and Douglas has to make another step too and helping out that offense.
0: Agree with that. And another guy you can't forget about, Jarrell Powers, who started to make some strides there at the end of his true freshman season. And, you know, someone we're all still forgetting about who's around Jackson West. Um, I believe he – was it at the end of the season that he put out on Instagram, the the surgery stuff? So I'm not sure if he'll be a full go during the spring at this point, coming back from what looked like an an ankle surgery. And I think it was December. Or whatever, but regardless, coming back from an injury that kept him out for basically, well, yeah, the entire twenty twenty two season didn't end up playing a snap for Florida State last year. But someone who was touted out of high school and injuries have just kind of beaten him to the curb so far. So we'll see if he's able to. (laughs) Damn.
1: (laughs) Damn. if he can work his way back into
0: rotation.
1: Okay, (laughs) I wasn't really expecting that. Jeez, that one got me. I was like looking at a whole different screen. That one came out a little, a little brutal there,
0: Dustin. A little brutal. But damn. Oh, and Preston Daniel still—he's still around.
2: Yeah, he's still around. It's kind of hard to believe. Um, he is. I mean, to, to your point about Marquise and Douglas, I think a lot of his teams were surprised when he started appearing in games and using him as a receiving threat. Because you see this guy that comes in—that's six four two seventy, just this like he, his nickname's Biscuit for a reason. He's a big old blob and he's just coming out there and making oh, great catches yeah. he's doing great in the screen game he's surprisingly agile um i think it, uh, uh, another offense is going to do him some huge favors and and to your point earlier about norvell's creativity offensively he was so creative with what they did with douglas this this season, i can only imagine what they're going to do this season
1: i'm glad you brought up drell powers D. Lou, because he's on my list here of potential players to break out alongside rodney hill I think Jarrell Powers, what we saw, him making those plays. I think it was huge to have bowl game prep, man. It goes to show how much we saw some some improvements from some of these younger players during that bowl game practice. Another month, and Jarrell Powers was getting a lot of opportunities and making some big-time grabs over Jamie and Akeem Den at the safety position, bringing those down and was making some big-time plays. He was really impressive there during that bowl game prep. So I definitely got Rodney Hill and also – um drell powers. I've got one more, and it's gonna be on this offensive line that we're gonna transition over to, unless you'll have anything more to talk about the tight end room. That was an exciting that was an exciting segment there. I mean, that was
0: fun. Best best tight end segment we've had in quite I, some time. I was, ever. I, was, ever. I
2: was about to say as a podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah, ever, <laughs> ever.
1: I've never been able to talk that highly and have true excitement walking out there and seeing them so we'll keep an eye on that let's jump into the offensive line to finish off the offense Florida State you know making all those moves VZ you're bringing it up earlier all the transfers that they brought in now what's the biggest question mark for you guys going into this one I think VZ you brought it up earlier yours but what do you think DLU stands out to you, it doesn't really have to be a question mark, but what really stands out to you going into spring with Alex Atkins offensive line where we all agreed earlier? It seems like there's depth, but there's even like better talented depth there and still some young guys that still need to go out there and prove themselves and make that next step.
0: I think what really stands out to me on paper is just the amount of experience that Florida State is bringing back as far as guys that have already been members of the program. And then, as well as the transfers that they're bringing in as well, I mean, we've talked about Florida State's offensive line and the rise that this room has been on over the last couple of years. And I think you can comfortably say, especially if Demetri Emanuel gets that waiver for an additional year, that this is the best offensive line room, at least right here, looking at it in the spring, that FSU has had in 10 years. More than I think. (laughs) More. I mean – like I said earlier, there's eight experienced guys who have a bona fide chance to start. And then there's some interesting young talent behind that that Fortis 8 is going to be developing for the future, or maybe even the present, if one of those guys really impresses and breaks into the rotation. And I mean, even further behind that, think back to that 2022 class. You've got five redshirt freshmen right now on the team. You've got Lucas Simmons, a six foot seven international recruit from Sweden, who's already enrolled and, and going through the tour of duty and going to be there for spring. So, I mean, from top to bottom, just kind of like the wide receivers, there's experience at the top, there's talent to be developed at the bottom, and feels like this unit is set up not only for now, but for future seasons as well. So, I mean, you've got to be excited for what Florida State is going to field in 2023, but then the building blocks are also there for 24. 25. I mean, they've, Alex Atkins, Norvell, the the recruiting staff, they've done a really good job of stacking this room to, like I said, compete now and maybe even be better later.
2: With so much talent in that room, would you be surprised after spring someone leaves?
0: It wouldn't surprise me. No. But at the same time, I think you can pitch that you're going to have eight or nine guys consistently involved with yeah. how Florida State has dealt with injuries the past couple of years. It's just, it's just going to happen at some point. Someone is going to go down that you don't expect, or you're going to suffer a season-ending injury during the preseason. That's just kind of been the luck for Florida State as of late. So I think there's a real pitch to to keep, you know, nine contributors, maybe even ten.
2: No, for sure. It's just you know, a lot of guys want to play right away. So I'm just curious to see if we see any movement, especially in this room, because you know, there's there's a ton of guys in this room. I think what are we? Was it up two dozen, nineteen scholarship offensive linemen?
1: 18 right now. 18.
2: This this is a lot of bodies.
1: (laughs) That is a ton
0: of bodies.
2: That's a lot of bodies and a lot of body mass.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just try and think back on it. Like, when you look at the guys maybe deeper in the rotation, maybe someone like Zane Herring, Thomas Schrader, I think are two guys that that would jump. But Bryson Estes, it seems like he's got a role with this program. Julian Armella obviously has a role. Jalen Early is working his way there. And then when you look at the top eight, you know, the, the five guys that are returning and the three guys that Florida State are adding in, I think none, none of those guys were probably in up transfer because they understand the roles that they're going to play this upcoming season. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, to uh, say the least. Like I said, there's so much flexibility, versatility amongst this group. I mean, you look at Casey Roddick, he can play center. He can play either guard spot. I, I talked about Jeremiah Byers. Keandre Jones can play either guard spot. Got guys across the roster. I mean, Darius Washington. We saw him work from tackle <laughs> to guard. He played center sometimes. I don't think he yeah. liked playing center. I think he's hoping he does not have to play center because <laughs> Atkins was getting on him during practices. But and I, mean, and I man, believe Roddick even played right tackle a little bit at Colorado. I think
2: it was. I think it was left tackle. Was it? Oh man!
1: <laughs> Someone do their research on that one. One name that I uh, I'm going to add to the breakout list is going to be armella and it really depends too on his recovery dealing with an injury and he's in the right. rehab process and i don't know how much that will really take effect in spring and the camp and his availability but just overall this off season i need to see I want, I want to see a fully healthy julian armella because i'll be honest with you guys someone that was giving jared verse some fits here and there was true freshman julian armella and julian Armello had to do a lot of learning he's very coach atkins very hands on him but hands on with him but you know What I love about Mike Norvell and allowing the media to have all of this access and for us to be there for the entirety of these practices is be able to go from position group to position group whenever they're doing individual drills and hands-on stuff. And I'll be able to go over there and listen to Coach Atkins and Armella. And, you know, Coach Atkins, this isn't tennis. We're not doing golf thing. You know, it is not fun being out there and getting chewed out. And you are going to get chewed out. But what I love about Lucas Lucas Armella, Julian Armella is he will go up and he will listen and he'll move forward to him into that conversation. He won't step back. He's not putting his head down. And I really respect that. And I don't see that out of a lot of the other freshmen. Yeah, they do listen, but Julian Armella will take that step forward. He will take, he will take the beating. And I, I think Atkins, sees like, obviously has growing respect for Armella because he was right behind um, and that second group for Florida State. Obviously, Darius Washington having the most experience, he would be subbed into games um, and whatnot. But uh, whenever Scott would be hurt on the tackle position, You know, Julian Armella would jump into there and practice and take over that role. So there's a lot of trust there already built with Coach Atkins. And we just know the physical attributes he brings. But man, he was given a lot of fits to some of those defensive ends, specifically Jared Verse, like absolutely pissing him off. And I thought that was great. And it shows good signs for what's going to come, what's to come out of Julian Armella. I just don't know when that opportunity will come, but for him to continue to make growth, and I think he has a potential to break out either if he's fully available this spring, if not this fall camp. But uh, really the biggest focus, get healthy, man, get healthy, because that's a talented tackle that you want to keep in your
0: program for uh, as long as you can. The competition is only going to help him because I think Florida State sees it. This is more another bridge year, I think, to kind of develop a guy like Armella, develop Jalen Early, develop Lucas Simmons, because those three are really your offensive tackles of the future right now when, when you look at this offensive line room and I mean, at least one of those guys, maybe even two of them are going to need to be prepared to take over a starting job or at least a spot in the rotation in 2024. It might happen this season, depending on uh, the injury look. So we'll just have to see, but Florida state, I think they've done a good job of, of stacking this room. You know, last year, 21 scholarship offensive linemen, maybe they can go grab another one or two out of the transfer portal if the numbers hit up right, but right now 18 with eight bonafide experienced guys, I think Florida State in a very good spot.
1: Anything else? Offensive line?
0: Yeah, what about fullback?
1: Yeah, I mean, we can jump into a little DJ Lundy package. I mean, it always – well, I can't say it always delivers now, but it's – I got to tell you guys. Like three out of four, three for four. I think yeah, that's rate, 75%. Either three or four, or four out of five. Yeah. One of it, them it's pretty up. good. It's, pre- it's a damn good
0: package system. You've got DJ Lundy coming back, but I had a dream last night. Okay. And then- Fabian Lovett at fullback. Well, the short yardage, in. goal line package. I don't know why. I had a dream about it last I mean, night. Him and DJ Lundy were back there together. That's Trey crazy. Together. At back. I mean, Jesus. honestly, I would Was it like, like a like thousand
1: it. pounds by then? <laughs> are getting up there. <laughs> I
2: would like it. So there, there was times in goal line where we were like, where, honest, where there wasn't enough strength, enough push, you know, you throw Fabian there just to toss the body around. I think that'd be kind of fun.
0: Yeah, his base.
2: We, sh- we should have done, we, we done with Robert Cooper is what we should have done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, oh, I was going to bring in some other guys on defensives. Like I, I Obame Tafazi, who's an absolutely Greek freak looking animal as a true freshman, but just the strength and legs. Yeah. Fabian Love would be able to push you in there. Why not just do what they've been doing in Philadelphia with, Jalen Hurts, just get two bodies behind you and just push you right through. But it also helps, too. You have one of the best, if not the best, offensive line and football in front of you there. But, you know, Maurice Smith has proven to do something. We haven't even talked about Maurice Smith, but I think it's great to have him back. He's a phenomenal leader for that room, guys. You're losing Dylan Gibbons, but you have Maurice Smith in there, too. And you also, of course, you have Robert Scott, but I think Maurice Smith, just being at practices, seeing him hands-on with some of the freshmen and holding them accountable. You know, something I can't bring up on here, but he will hold you accountable to make sure you get to those workouts in the morning because if not, it screws up everybody in that position group and y'all are all screwed running running after practice. But, yeah, he holds a lot of that offensive line accountable, and I'll be honest with you guys, he, he impresses me with the size difference that he has definitely when he's going against a Fabian Lovett or like last year with Robert Cooper. Uh, you know, him battling and being able to hold his ground is really – really impressive so that alongside his leadership being the glue this upcoming year will be huge and keeping him healthy will be key because we talked about it after he got hurt d lou and jacksonville we thought this season was done it was a wrap it was over and it just goes to show that maybe we kind of don't talk about marie smith and give him his roses sometimes give him his flowers and whatnot but that man you know he lays it on the line, and he tries his hardest to stay healthy, and he goes against some some nasty mother-effers in the ACC on the defensive line. He does a pretty pretty well job, so uh, i, I got to give him his props before we head into spring camp.
0: I wouldn't say that. I feel like I've always given Maurice Smith love, dating back to uh, his very first start against Boston College in <clears throat> 2019 and the very first time we saw J-Trav as well. I've always been very impressed with him. Like you said, his ability to compete despite – maybe the size differential, because, I mean, when you stand up next to him, you know, he's as tall as you, he's he's as tall as me, not much, not much bigger than either of us, but he's out there and he's really improved over the last couple of years. And it really just feels like, you know, if he can put on that 15 or 20 pounds bulk up a little bit, he'd be a little bit more of a stalwart there in the middle for Florida state. But regardless, um, like you said, a big leader on and off the field and very dependable, for the Seminoles, there in the middle of that offensive line. Agreed.
1: Anything else, gentlemen? Spring camp, offensive side wise, that you want to bring up before we move over to the best part of the podcast, where we talk about Florida <laughs> State basketball.
2: Oh God! Doesn't think of anything he can to stall
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to find like which walk on might come out of nowhere and be a star, who could break out. Which preferred walk on might get a scholarship. All right, Austin, we'll give you a chance here. Let's give a good quick five minutes. What? Or actually, I know you're not doing a recap of any games or looking ahead probably, but well, what's going on with FSU basketball? You have a piece that's coming out. We're going to post that, I think, tomorrow. But what, what, what's what's going on? What's going on with Florida State basketball? What is, what is your opinion? What needs to be done?
2: Good Lord, where do we start? I mean, you're coming off a game where you lose by 40 to Clemson and then you lose at home to Boston College, who sucks. <laughs> like... I'm not going to beat on the bush. That's not a good basketball team.
1: Like,
2: you, you can't. I, I get Matthew Cleveland hasn't played these last two games. He's not worth 40 points against Clemson. And you should be able to beat Boston College without Matthew Cleveland. It's just, there's a lot going on. And I know there's a lot of fans very upset, including myself. Um, and for everywhere from don't bring back Coach Ham to disband the whole program um i've seen everything in between it's just it's a complete mess of a season that's been affected from injuries missed evaluations to attrition if you want to look past these last few years the scheme it's just everything the defense is terrible they're not communicating they're not trying the offense is a mess there's no true leaders there's no true guards there's one three-point shooter in Darren Green Jr. who feels like he's doing everything possible to get open. You have a center in Nahima Cloud that doesn't know how to dunk. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's a complete mess, and you know we'll talk about it more after the season. I've talked about it in the Discord some. This roster is going to change a lot this offseason. Um, we're talking five to six guys leaving. And that's, you know, that's opening spots for transfers, which Coach Hamilton's been very honest about. You know, we should have bought in heavier to the transfer portal instead of bringing in five freshmen for this team. They need guys next year that can play and play immediately. You know, anywhere between two and four starters. You'd like to have, you know, Darren Green Jr. be your only returning starter next season maybe if we're expecting Matthew Cleveland to go to the league and and whatever else as far as transfers. Because as much as, as talent as I think guys like Caleb Mills and Jalen Worley are, they're just not fits for this system. And I think it's been shown this season. Some of the layups Mills has taken this season, just I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> I mean, he is double pumping under the rim, and it hits the top of the backboard and goes on the other side. I'm like, what?
1: Something what? I would do. That's what? me right there.
2: What did I just see? And I get a lot of fans want a new coach. I I don't think it's happening. You know, it's been a very consistent, you know, Hamilton's going to get a chance to, to fix this mess. We'll see if that changes over the next two weeks. There's only three games left plus an ACC tournament game. But if you think about it, this is the first time Florida State's been horrendous in a long time. Coach Hamilton is vastly out – he's vastly exceeded expectations at Florida State. He, he can have one bad year, and I think he's going to get that chance as much as fans don't want to hear that, but he's going to get that chance. He built Florida State up from when it was the worst program in college basketball coming off the Steve Robinson years and he he's been very candid that he has a plan in place. great'll all forgive him that chance. I think he will. He's only got one year left on his deal, and i I really can't see Florida State paying two basketball coaches and two football coaches considering they're still paying Taggart this year. Mm-hmm. um. I, I, as much as fans don't want to hear it, I don't think he's going to it. I, I think he should stay for one more year. If they don't make the tournament next season, you can move on. No hard feelings. His contract's up anyways. You can just go find a new coach. If you try to force him out this season, it's going to get ugly. I'm just going to be honest. That's one of the leading legends in, in the sport. Mm-hmm. A guy that broke a ton of barriers in, in college basketball. Well, not even just basketball, just basketball in general. You know, being the the first African American assistant at Kentucky, that was that was huge for that program. Then he built up Oklahoma State. Then he built up Miami, and now he's done this for Florida State for twenty one years. He has as he has half as many tournament appearances as the entire history of Florida State basketball. He's given us the best team we'll arguably ever see in our lifetimes in, in twenty twenty. That team was unreal, and I'll talk about that team in the article tomorrow on just what made that team so good and why this team is not capitalize on that team's success. He, he's going to get in their shot, and he deserves it as much as people don't want to hear it.
0: I will say, Florida State pushed out Bobby Bowden after he made a bowl game.
2: That had lingered for, like, what, like three years, though? Because <laughs> even you, you could talk about it with Ham. Right, longer how, than that. Yeah, but you could talk about with Ham, where last year the, the team wasn't that good. But it's really because – that just injuries just sucked the life out of the team. They were first in the ACC at the end of January with a six and two ACC record. Then Malik Osborne goes down. Then Matthew Cleveland goes down for a couple games. Then Caleb Mills goes down with an ankle injury. Then whoever else it was. I, I, I know I have that in the article coming out tomorrow as well. Just last year, there's so many injuries. So they had that excuse. This year, that's not as much of an excuse. It's just been bad basketball from the start. You know, losing to Stetson, losing to Troy, losing to whoever else was in the beginning of the season because I've tried to block out as much of it as possible. Um, that's not as big of an excuse, even if it is still partially an excuse. You know, Chandler Jackson missed the first few games getting back from that thumb injury and still wasn't 100% until late December, early January. Yeah, Baba Miller missed the first 16 games ever since he's came back. He's just been checked out because he has no idea what he's doing offensively, what his role is in the system. Deontay green came back from his ACL injury sooner than he should have. You just, you had all these guys that were still banged up, still not trying to still trying to figure out what they're doing. And Florida state's not one of those teams recently that can play with just six or seven guys. You know, this is a team that's built on 10, 11 guys playing a hard 18 to 24 minutes. And they just, they just don't have that right now. That's what I'm saying. They have to go get four guys that can play right away this off season. Hmm. And, I've also heard the argument of, oh, why would anyone come play for Florida State when they're having this bad of a season? Look at Pitt. You know, Pitt's been the worst team in the ACC the last four or five years. Capel brings in three transfers and then they're the best team in the ACC right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're willing to go play for Coach Capel, who I was shocked even got brought on for another season, they'll come play for a guy like Coach Hamilton, as respected as he is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the respect around the whole college basketball world. And then I'm just wondering too. When do you think? How do you how do you get your team back on on track here? Because it feels like like you were saying well, there's, there's, the there's, there's no getting back on track this season. Well, like, not this season, but like <laughs> not this season. But how do you build that back to say, all right, let's get back on track and things got to go back in order how they used to be? Because we used to respect the hell out of and we still do. You know, this is a, this is a season, but Leonard Hamilton he he ran a tight ship and he built a family bond around it, but it doesn't seem like that might be the case anymore. How do you bring that back though? Um. I'm just wondering definitely if you're going to be switching up your – I guess you are cleaning out your roster and you're bringing in newcomers and you know you got to hope they believe in that.
2: you, you got to find some leaders, some, some guys that will step up, you know, get guys where they're supposed to. I, I get the gold standard is Trent Forrest, but he's the gold standard for a reason because those last two seasons he was doing everything you want out of a leader of a program, just on the court, off the court, out in the community, get guys where they're supposed to be on the court. You know, if you needed a bucket, he could go get it. If you needed a stop, he would guard your best player. And people, people just respected him every time he said something because when he said it, he meant it. There's no guy that's been – no one's been like that these last two years. There's been no guy that you could look at and go, yeah, that's our guy. You can maybe argue Malik Osborne last year, but once he went down, you know, it, it fell off the trail. And people would have said that for Jalen Ganey this year. I've, I've heard that where he was that glue guy. He tears his ACL – you know, two weeks before the season. And it's just not the same leadership wise. They've Mm -hmm. got to find that leader, especially as a point guard, a a guy that knows where everybody's supposed to be. I think they have to change the scheme up a little bit. You know, the switching one through five has been meticulously broken down and broken apart recently. Um, Florida state actually defends almost longer than anybody else in the country, because teams are just constantly ball screening to get the matchup they want. And then just scoring off of that. Um, I think I think that's got to get fixed. The offense has to get fixed slightly. There's a lot of things that need to happen this year, and I think Hamilton and Alford are going to have a conversation about it. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting offseason, that that's for sure. You know, we're like I said, we're two weeks of, mm, two and a half weeks away, essentially from from the offseason starting. Once once you lose in in the in the conference tournaments, you can go right in the transfer portal and start doing what you need to do. So it's gonna it's gonna get busy. And it's gonna get busy quick.
0: What if they win the conference tournament and make the NCAA I, tournament? Boy. I knew Dustin
1: was going to ask that.
2: He's just trying. Is it sad if I'd say I'd be disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously I want this team to win. but it's like, man, this season's been such a mess.
1: Yeah. And trying to move on.
2: It, it's crazy because, you know, a month ago we were like, oh, are they maybe starting to turn the ship in conference play with wins at Pitt and at Notre Dame, two places that have historically been tough on Florida State. And then – you know, they played Clemson really close at home, a game they really should have won. Yeah. And then in the last two weeks, you lose at Pitt at home, which, you know, that's whatever. Pitt's a really good team, as I mentioned earlier. But the loss of Clemson by 40 points last week just – it's one of the lowest points of the program for me. You know, mm. even lower than the Stetson loss last year and, or earlier in the year in the Troy loss. Mm. Like, I remember when we beat Clemson by 50 at home in <sighs> 2017. That was – Six years ago, and somehow we've swung 90 points. I don't know what's happened between now and then, but obviously something needs to change.
1: Mm, 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 mm. Well, we're we going to send you to the Diamond soon with nope. this baseball. Nope. I don't know. I mean, nope. I don't know. I
2: will do football recruiting before I do baseball. Oh!
1: <laughs> Former co host would love hearing that now. <laughs> love hearing that. Damn, 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 damn. Well, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Well, we'll 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 keep uh, on alert for those basketball games. Like you said, I think it's already blown off my head the basketball season's still going on. That's kind of how it goes for Just four more games. me at this moment, sadly. We're so close. Yep. But the previews are always great. They're the best on the beat. Nobody can say that. Nobody can say that they got the best coverage except for BZ here and what he does for us at nolgandy.com. So I know there's still a lot of basketball fans. We still didn't lose any viewers while talking about that. So um, I think everybody kind of wanted to get your take on what's going on with Florida state basketball and ways to fix that. So we'll yeah. ha- have more conversations after yeah, and, the season wraps up.
2: And definitely read the article that's coming out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, I went to a lot more detail about statistics and why they're so bad um, to speaking more about the attrition and the injuries and and everything in between. So. Definitely give that a read whenever they decide to publish it.
0: Hopefully tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll get around uh, to it.
1: Yeah, when Dustin gets around to it, he'll be he'll be there eventually. As long as it gets out there for the noon piece, people will definitely want to be eating their lunch and, and seeing how to fix this FSU basketball program. I think it could help. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap things up. Next week, we will be doing – Florida State Spring Camp Defense Edition. So we'll be diving into there just like we did with the offense. We'll have Cam McDonald, former Florida State tight end. He's currently in training prep. That episode's actually going to be at 7 p.m. because I guess he has a tight
0: Great. Uh, sleeping okay. schedule.
1: So we'll have an earlier night on here. Won't have to be on here till 9. Amazing. So we get to jump on here a little bit earlier and I'm going to First question will be like, what time are you going to bed? Are you going to bed at 8 p.m.? Like, what kind of schedule is this? What are you doing? Are you meditating? I don't know. But we're going to have Cam McDonald on at 7 o'clock next week. And then I believe if I can pull up my calendar, we are going to have our next Calculated Chaos with Brian Stork on the first day. It's going to be actually the first day of spring practice, which is on March 6th. We're going to do that one at 7 p.m., and that will be our Clemson rewind and hopefully going to have a few guests for that that played for Florida State in that game so that one should be really fun and we've kind of moved it to where that's going to probably going to be a 2 hour show because Brian said he's got a lot of film and a lot of different things that he needs to talk about. So, we're going to do two hours on that minimum. So, that should be a fun one. But nonetheless, we'll see you guys next week at 7 p.m. with former FSC tight end Cam McDonald's. You can always listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Hit the like button. If you're on iTunes, hit the subscribe button too so you get notified every time we release a new episode. Appreciate everybody listening with us, watching with us. Got a lot of coverage coming for you guys the next couple of weeks with spring camp. So looking forward to giving you guys some goodies. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of y'all's week. And we'll talk to you guys next Wednesday at 7. Peace.
2: Same color T-shirt. What? Right. me right.